Welcome to the Refuge Recovery Podcast. Refuge Recovery is a worldwide community of people who are using the practices of mindfulness, compassion, forgiveness, and generosity to heal the pain and suffering that addiction has caused in our lives and the lives of our loved ones. This podcast is for all those interested in and all those already practicing refuge recovery to find freedom from addiction of all kinds. To support this podcast and your refuge recovery, please donate using the link in the show notes. So the last couple weeks I've been uh, going through systematically the truths of refuge recovery, the truth that addiction creates suffering and the uh, investigation of all of the ways that we've suffered in our lives, especially around addiction. And the second truth that the uh, cause of addiction is repetitive craving, the underlying uh, repetitive human condition of craving for pleasure and aversion to pain and our tendency towards self-centered attachment and aversion the reality that we're all living with, grappling with. Welcome. If you're joining on Instagram and you'd like to participate, easier to have you participate if you migrate over to the Refuge Recovery World Services YouTube channel. I'd like to encourage people to come over to YouTube and... Uh, Follow the, the YouTube channel and and if you want to stay on Instagram, that's fine. But we invite you to come over. To I have to admit that I'm a little bit ill-prepared this evening. Um, my computer's not plugged in and uh, my battery's not fully charged. I'm... Uh, Streaming live from Compound Recording Studio in Santa Cruz, California, where I'm visiting my best buddy Joe for his 50th birthday. Social distancing, of course. But um, anyways, let me start and uh, I might cut it a little short tonight or my battery might die. The third truth of refuge recovery is the understanding, the Buddhist understanding, that all beings have the ability to awaken, to heal, to recover based on our own efforts, based on our actions, um, that we can wake up in this lifetime. I'll share with you the uh, teaching and then I will, the, the, the writing from the book, and then I'll do some reflection on it. Freedom from the suffering caused by addiction is attainable. If we are ready and willing to take responsibility for our actions, to follow the Eightfold Path, as you enter this process and attend group meetings, you will connect with many others who have also suffered the consequences of addiction and are now recovering. Allow the group to inspire you and to show you the possibilities of recovery.
while also making room for the imperfections of some of the individuals within the group. The good news is that we can all fully recover from addictions. We can end all of the unnecessary suffering that our addictive behaviors have created. We can heal and forgive. We can learn to love ourselves and others through the power and practice of refuge recovery, the Dharma. What we are recovering is not the ability to drink or use drugs or engage in the other behaviors. We are recovering a lost or forgotten part of ourselves. Some call this our true nature or our original goodness. Within each one of us is the potential for wisdom and compassion. Is a potential for wisdom and compassion that has been obscured and buried by our cravings and addictions. The path of recovery as outlined here allows us to slowly but surely begin to uncover and directly experience liberating insights. And transformative wisdom. When we come to recovery, our minds and hearts are polluted with resentment, anger, fear, judgment, demands, lusts, ignorance. The process of recovery will slowly transform us, stirring up all of our impurities, bringing all the muck to the surface where it can finally be healed. This is a path that heals the heart and transforms the mind, leaving us with a awakened heart and mind. We have always had good hearts. They were just so badly covered and obscured, they were lost to us. By returning to this lost aspect of ourselves, we recover. Many would call this a spiritual awakening, enlightenment, or liberation. Although it may be all these things, it's also just a simple, psychologically based process of seeing clearly what is true and then learning how to respond appropriately. The appropriate response ends suffering. The appropriate response allows us to recover our freedom. All living beings have the ability to live life along these lines. No one lacks the ability, only the willingness. To take on such a radical task of transformation, addicts do not Addicts who do not recover are not broken or lost. They just have not yet found the willingness to take this path of wisdom and compassion. We believe in the human capacity for change. We understand it from direct experience. If we can, you can, and we have, so you shall too. We know that this may be hard to accept at first. Eventually, you will know the truth of recovery directly, and you will develop verified faith in the process, based on your own direct experience. Until that time, we encourage you to trust the process, practices, principles, and community. I'm going to pause for a moment. I um, 
plugged in my microphone and it kicked me off of YouTube and um, I got back on but let me give a moment for the people who lost the connection at YouTube and Facebook to return If you're back on YouTube, let me know. Welcome back. Welcome back, welcome back. Sorry about that. I plugged in my mic and it ended the recording. Just give me a moment for everyone else to join us. If you're on Instagram, chill out with us. Welcome, welcome, welcome back. Where was I? One more time. All living beings have the ability to live life along these lines. No one lacks the ability, only the willingness to take on such a radical task of transformation. Addicts who do not recover are not broken or lost. They just have not yet found the willingness to take this path of wisdom and compassion. We believe in the human capacity for change. We understand it from direct experience. If we can, you can, and we have, so you shall too. We know that this may be hard to accept at first. Eventually, you will know the truth of recovery directly, and you will develop verified faith in the process based on your own direct experience. Until that time, we encourage you to trust the process and practices, principles, and community. Just after the Buddha's final awakening, he reflected on, on what had led to his recovery of wisdom and compassion. He listed five qualities that he had developed. The first thing that he listed was faith or confidence. He said that although he had no guide, no proof, no certainty, what he did have was confidence in his own ability in the possibility of human liberation. So I'm going to pause there for a moment and ask all of us as we reflect on our relationship to recovery to uh, entering this meditative process of recovery whether you came in 
through refuge or you came in through 12 steps or some other path to reflect on when we were in that state of hopeless addiction, when we were stuck in the repetitive, is that right? I just saw something that, can you not hear me? On Facebook? I saw a note that says no voice at all. Can people not hear me on Facebook and YouTube or can you hear me okay? Instagram should be okay, but Facebook? Okay. Somebody said no voice at all. Okay, thanks, thank you, thank you, thank you. So this reflection on, you know, the Buddha said, there was no model for awakening. There was no model for recovery. There was no, um, there was, there, was, there was no path laid out for him. He said, but I had confidence. I believed it must be possible for, um, it must be possible for us to wake up. It must be possible to end suffering. Now we are all in, um, we are all in, um, you know, coming into recovery in a time where uh, there's a path laid out for us. But when we're in that repetitive cycle of addiction, uh, my experience was I felt like there was no hope. Uh, I don't know what it was like for you, but I feel like so so often we get into this place of hopelessness. We don't know um, we don't know how to what to do and we've been trying to quit and we can't quit and so I want to ask each one of us to reflect on what was it that gave you a little bit of faith, a little bit of confidence, a little bit of willingness, you know? What was it for you that got you to go to that first meeting, um, to sit down in your first meditation, to pick up the book or whatever it was that got you going? Um, I, I spoke a couple weeks ago about my experience of being addicted and incarcerated and that there was a sort of internal shift where um, I came to see more clearly that I had created all of that suffering for myself, that it was my uh, confusion, that it was my addiction, um, that I couldn't blame everyone else. And with that was this little bit of, and I already knew about recovery, but I didn't think I could recover. And with that came a little bit of hope. And then my um, father said, well, why don't you try meditation? And I just had enough uh, willingness, internal willingness, and a little bit of faith in my father. I knew he was a meditator, a meditation teacher. Um, he seemed a lot happier than I felt. Um, I also knew that he used to be an, a heroin addict and that his spiritual life was something um, that had brought him out of his addiction. Um, so I had some faith in, in him, enough faith to try it. And, and 
um, with a lot of skepticism. I certainly wasn't one of those people that was like, I'm a believer. I was like, this probably isn't going to work. Recovery is probably not going to work for me. Meditation is probably not going to work for me, but I'm going to try. What I know for sure is that addiction uh, is a dead end. That the, what I'm seeking, I'll never find in the drugs and the alcohol and the, you know, life of addiction. I'll never find it there. I knew in my innermost self that that was a dead end and I wasn't sure where to go from there. So from that hopelessness came some willingness and from that willingness came, uh, I'll try. And as I sat down, I tried to meditate and then I had a... a very subtle but profound experience that this shit works. And so it was no longer a blind faith, but there was a verified, a quickly verifiable mindfulness helps a little bit. And if it helps a little bit, I'm going to keep doing it because maybe it'll help a lot. So reflecting for yourself, what was it for you that first book that you read that woke you up? to the possibility, first person that you met that inspired you, uh, person that you reached out to, hey, take me to a meeting, Um, you know, internet search that you did that said, let me look for some help. What was it for you that, you know, gave you a little bit of um, faith, a little bit of hope, a little bit of confidence? And then as you showed up and you met people in refuge recovery, or you tuned into an online meeting, or you went to a meeting or a meditation group, or what was that for you that said, oh, the Dharma, there's uh, there's hope here for transformation. Here is a path that is practical, that is applicable, that we can live, that we can apply. This is not a mystical, blind faith, magical, um, magical thinking, spiritual path, but here's a practically, you know, a humanist psychology, you know, as it says here, um, about spiritual awakening, it says, you know, uh, many would call this third truth, um, a spiritual awakening or enlightenment, you know, and the, the classic way of, of talking about, The third truth is that awakening enlightenment is possible. But as I say here in the book, although it may be that, it's also just a simple psychologically based process of seeing clearly what is true. That we see clearly uh, the reality that everything is impermanent and that craving is repetitive and that addiction is a dead end. And then we learn how to respond appropriately. The first appropriate response is abstinence. The second appropriate response is go to meetings, be of service, help each other, you know, learn to forgive ourselves, learn to forgive others, to ask for forgiveness, to make amends. So reflecting on faith and also where you're at in the verified faith and that our maybe faith isn't the right word, our confidence, our commitment, and that it um, it's not like we said it and then it stays the same. Everything's impermanent, including how inspired we are and how much faith or confidence we have. Um, I mean, I wonder, I don't know any places in the Buddha's life where he talks about losing faith, but 
you know, he went and studied with this teacher and this teacher, you know, he disappointed him and he moved on to this other teacher and this teacher disappointed him to finally where he was kind of like sort of done with teachers. And he went off on his own and said, I'm going to wake up. And then he woke up and became the teacher and people came to him and many people loved his teachings and many people were disappointed and were critical and didn't, didn't like what he was teaching. He wasn't for everybody. Um, so our faith and that our faith, our, our confidence changes. It doesn't, it's not static. It's not like, yes, I have a hundred percent confidence in refuge and that never wavers. Some days, a lot of confidence. Some days, doubt or confusion or, you know, creep in. So right now, with where you're at with the, um, with the uh, practice, um, where's your confidence? Where do you land right now? How, um, scale of one to 10, I think it's interesting to look at ourselves. Scale of one to 10, where do we land with confidence? And that it's varying. Some days you get a nine or a 10. Other days, maybe you're down at a five. Sometimes we're in a lot of pain and our confidence isn't strong and we just keep going. We're just in the habit of, I'm going to meditate anyways. I'm going to offer forgiveness anyways. I'm going to ask for forgiveness anyways, even though I'm not feeling super confident. So the Buddha said, uh, he was confident in his own ability and possibility of human liberation. He went on to list that in order to get, in order to recover for our conversation, in order to get free, he said, I, I put the, onto the list effort, mindfulness, concentration, and wisdom as the other factors necessary in the process of recovering our forgotten potential, our ability to awaken. So, um, first, confidence, second, effort. And how often do we get stuck in like, yeah, I believe it's possible, but I'm not doing the work. I believe in recovery. I believe in it. Uh, I know that it means I have to meditate regularly. I know that it means I need to do inventories. I know that it means, uh, you know, to associate with Sangha, go to meetings, participate. I know that it means, um, you know, doing the inventories, doing the work, mentoring other people. I know I'm confident in this system. The system makes sense. Second effort, how much am I doing it? Have I finished my inventories? Am I meditating regularly? Am I trying to make time for retreat practice? Am I um, dedicating my life to being of service to others, mentoring people, helping others, being of service? How much effort are we putting in? And so, you know, many of you just, I asked you one to 10, how much faith, confidence, and then look at, okay, how much effort do I put in? Because sometimes, and I feel like for myself in early recovery, my confidence was low. I was down at like a two or a three. I didn't have a lot of hope. But I started to do the work 
of like a seven or an eight. I didn't really believe, but I was willing to really meditate every day and go to meetings and be of service and, and do it because uh, I, I, I wanted it. I wanted it, even though I wasn't so sure it was going to work. So reflecting on, you know, maybe sometimes you're at a low faith level, but at a high level of effort, I'm doing the work. Sometimes, and I've seen this in my own recovery also, I'm at a really high, I know I'm at a 10, total confidence. I believe 100% in this path, but my um, action is lower. I'm not meditating every day. I'm not finishing my inventory. I'm, you know, or whatever. I've, I've seen that in my own life and seeing that often our, our effort and faith aren't, aren't perfectly balanced. Sometimes more faith, less effort, sometimes less faith, more effort. And the Buddha said both of these things. We have to know that it's possible and we have to do the work, the effort. And the work is the Eightfold Path, which I'll start talking about next week. But he says, especially mindfulness and concentration, the meditation practice was so important to wake up, to see clearly, to experience recovery, to learn to respond appropriately, we have to see clearly. And you can't see clearly if you don't meditate. So mindfulness and concentration as the meditative discipline that leads to, to seeing clearly, to recovering. The path of refuge recovery includes all of the qualities the Buddha utilized. We know that this is a difficult thing to ask of addicts. We have very often been through a long-term demoralizing struggle. We are also sensitive to our core promise that this is not a faith-based process. Refuge recovery does offer an experiential-based approach, but to get started, you have to have at least an inkling of faith, confidence, and hope, or we'll never show up. There has to be at least a little bit. All the proof that we can offer you is our own experience. We are a large group of recovering addicts who have successfully used the Buddhist practice to recover. We invite you to take refuge in the potential of your own recovery and awakening in these four truths and the group of people who have offered you this book and those whom you will surely meet and connect with as you begin to create and attend refuge recovery meetings. Taking refuge is a simple practice that you can begin as soon as you have read through all of the material and have a good understanding of what is being offered and asked for. When you are ready, after reflecting for a few minutes on your own sincere and wise desire to recover, you can repeat these following phrases. So I'm going to pause for a moment and then um, we can do this together. Taking refuge, you know, part of this third truth. Um, and I think that what's important is, as this says, even though we're on the third chapter, on the third truth, it's followed up by the fourth noble truth, the eightfold path. 
the practice of mindfulness, the practice of forgiveness, the the experience of coming to understand reality more clearly, to uh, realign our intentions with a more positive, a more wise perspective, um, to become more and more ethical, to practice renunciation around the uh, four noble, uh, the, um, the five precepts, to be careful with our communication, with our um, livelihood, our, our sexuality, all of it. And then we come back around. It's really, in my experience, it's through the meditation practice. It's through the um, experience. It's through being of service that we gain more and more confidence and more and more connection with uh, experiencing a reliable internal refuge. And that taking refuge is not just a blind um, commitment, but that it's a, a heartfelt um, connection based in our own direct experience where we say, I am in. I'm going to try. I'm going to use my life's energy. I'm going to uh, I'm going to commit to this practice, this process, and this community, and this um, way of life. So I'd be curious to uh, hear from some of you who that are doing the refuge recovery process, people who you know are new to it or have been doing it for a long time. What's your relationship to taking refuge in the potential of your own freedom, knowing that you can recover through your own efforts or your own actions? Have you taken refuge in a formal way? Do you do it as part of your daily meditation practice? Many Buddhists all over the world, uh, each, mom each morning and as part of their morning meditation practice, will just do a, a very simple recommitment saying, I, I take refuge in the Buddha and the Dharma and the Sangha. In, in refuge recovery, we say, I take refuge in the potential of my own recovery. I take refuge in the four truths, the eightfold path of recovery, the Dharma. I take refuge in the community uh, of fellow recovering addicts, the Sangha. And I just, I just commit and I just do that and I remind myself every day, this is my path, this is my process, this is how I am trying to live my life. Somebody's checking in on Facebook saying, uh, I'm seeking sanctuary from my addictions, 30 years of relapse. Welcome. I hope that you find the tools here and I hope you apply the tools here in this refuge recovery uh, process with mindfulness, learning to see uh, craving as a impersonal, natural human phenomena, and that with mindfulness practice, we develop the ability to no longer satisfy our cravings. It's not that cravings go away forever for most of us. We continue to live with some craving and, and 
uh, as I like to say, the mind giving us bad advice, telling us to relapse. But with mindfulness, we start to not be so reactive, to stay sober, to... Um, and then the process of forgiveness, of forgiving ourselves for all of the relapse, for the harm that we've caused to ourselves, to others. Welcome, Dave. I hope you join us. Join us on some online meetings on the refugerecovery.org um, site. We have daily, many daily Zoom meetings during this time of shelter in place. Hope you check in with us, reach out, get a mentor, and join us in this meditative path that will lead to sanctuary, what we call refuge. If you do the work, you will stay sober, clean, recover, um, and you'll find a freedom that's beyond uh, beyond our, our, our ideas, our expectations. Someone on Instagram is saying, um, I have 15 months clean and sober from all things, including abuse and sex, and I've dedicated my life to this process. That's the kind of refuge, commitment. And, and I love it, and the renunciation, um, the commitment and the renunciation. And that really this is a, um, personal commitment that we're not we're not doing it in the Buddhist way of like a religious uh, dogmatic just a personal I take refuge I commit for myself for my recovery somebody's saying I'm 50, 50 days sober two weeks out of jail and new to this and just need to find a new way of living thank you welcome Lenny, welcome to a new way of living. So I had the same experience today. I, I'm in Santa Cruz and I'm really close to the jail that I got sober in and I started meditating in and I went and I, I actually stopped out front and took a picture of the sign and just had this moment of like 32 years ago, I was sitting in that place strung out and I started my mindfulness practice and my um, process of recovery. And uh, for many reasons, I've continued on this path for these decades. And what we find is pretty amazing. Someone else on Instagram is saying, I have about a year in refuge and I certainly take refuge in my community and Sangha. I take refuge in service, writing on my inventory, mentoring, giving back what I've been given. And on the YouTube channel, someone's saying, I've found a great amount of refuge in the basic idea of acceptance, accepting the good, the bad, the ugly, and living it rather than running away. So thank you for participating in that way and all of these different um, experiences, whether you're brand new, you've been doing this for a long time. Richard posted the dictionary definition that says, refuge is a shelter, or protection from danger and troubles. And he went on to say this has been true for, for himself. And that, it, you know, I totally concur. My, my experience also is that the longer that I've practiced the principles and stayed sober and that there's this way in which an inner 
safety. Certainly, you know, certainly nothing protects us from the worldly winds of praise and blame and gain and loss and uh, fame and disrepute and, um, you know, physical injury and, you know, world pandemics and all of that. Nothing. There's no safety from those kind of external dangers. But the Dharma gives us this internal refuge, this way of I can be at ease no matter what's happening, no matter how painful, how pleasurable, no matter what's happening, we learn to, to be free, to be uh, untroubled by reality. So if you would like to, we can take refuge together. Um, I did this the other night, I believe. <clears throat> uh, but I, this, um, or I did this on the retreat that we did the other day, the refuge retreat. But it says in the book here on page 21, when you are ready, after reflecting for a few moments on your own sincere and wise desire to recover, repeat the following phrases. So take a moment to reflect on your own sincere and wise desire to recover. The Buddha called this Dhamma Chanda, the desire for truth, for the Dhamma. That part of us, I just want to know the truth. I just want to know freedom. And then if you would like to, you can say along with me, I take refuge in the potential of my own recovery, Buddha. I take refuge in the four truths and eightfold path of recovery, Dharma. And I take refuge in the community of fellow, of fellow recovering addicts, Sangha. I take refuge in Buddha my own potential. I take refuge in Dharma, this path, four truths, eightfold path. I take refuge in Sangha, the fellows, my sisters and brothers on the path. I take refuge. Recovery is possible. Um, it says in the book, if, if we can, you can, and we have. And um, if I can, I truly believe anybody can, and I have, and I continue to. And, and the freedom that, we, that comes from this path um, is so inclusive. And all of the troubles in my life, all of the... Uh, difficulties, all of the uh, challenges in the last couple of years, everything that has happened in my personal life with my communities, with refuge recovery, has just showed me more and more clearly what a reliable internal refuge practicing the Dharma 
has created that I know for sure. It's not theoretical. <laughs> I know for sure that I can walk through the biggest difficulties um, and stay sober and keep practicing and keep loving and keep uh, offering forgiveness to people who are uh, behaving unskillfully and keep asking for forgiveness when I'm behaving unskillfully and keep forgiving myself. And this reliable internal place of, of ease and well-being that has become my primary reality from living this program. So we have a few minutes left. If um, anybody would like to ask questions about this topic, the third truth of refuge recovery, if you'd like to um, ask anything, I've got a few minutes to discuss. Rachel on uh, YouTube said, I've been taking a lot of refuge in the online Sangha. And I know that's true for a lot of us, that in this time of shelter in place and not having the people to go out and connect with in person, that we've been able to connect online and uh, Zoom meetings and live streams and continue to connect virtually uh, until we get to connect physically again, which there will be a time. It will come back. We'll end here then with offering merit outward in all directions. May each of us maintain our recovery one moment at a time, one breath at a time. May all beings find the willingness to do the hard work of letting go of responding wisely, of seeing clearly. May all beings find a reliable internal refuge inside ourselves through our own efforts. Together may we create a community that is accepting and forgiving and loving, welcoming, where no one is turned away and everyone is welcome. Thank you for your practice and um, participation and presence in this this evening. Uh, thank you. And uh, I'll be back next Thursday and we'll start the uh, fourth truth. We'll talk about the fourth truth. Maybe we'll do an overview of the Eightfold Path and then we will um, start to uh, go through the Eightfold Path over the next eight or nine weeks. So grateful to be with you and uh, go to some meetings, do your inventories, meditate, and um, 
I'm going to be doing, a, I think I'm going to be offering an, an online weekend retreat um, soon. Uh, so keep an eye out for that online weekend retreat, I think, over Memorial Day. So be well. See you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Refuge Recovery Podcast. To learn more about our program of recovery and to connect with others on the Refuge Recovery Path, visit our website, refugerecovery.org, where you will find information, meditations, and links to both in-person and online Refuge Recovery meetings. This podcast is brought to you by Refuge Recovery World Services, a nonprofit created to support our network of refuge recovery groups around the world. Thank you for listening.